Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and that everything that we see was created through him saying, let it be. And Father, we just thank you that you have embodied your word in this person called Jesus Christ. And Father, that as he lived on this earth, as he breathed, as he moved, we saw a glimpse of who you are and what you're like. And Father, we pray today that as we open your word, the things that Jesus taught us and that he taught the disciples to teach us, Father, we pray that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open to all that you want to say and do through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read from Philippians chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses from that, and then I'm going to share some things uh, really around the subject of why we do what we do, namely church. So I want you to just be quite relaxed this morning, if that's okay. Can I ask that you be relaxed, okay? So, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel better when I do that. Let's try it again. Do you feel relaxed? I feel relaxed. I also feel relaxed when you're smiling, okay? That helps me a lot, okay? Just checking. Victoria, oh, you've always got a smile. What was I talking about? Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Paul's writing, and he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. There's a wee challenge. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. What we tend to do is, in pride, think that we are better than the guy next to us. But actually, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. Listen to this. Each of you should not look out, uh, not look, uh, each of you, I'll get it right eventually. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And listen to this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, he, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, I love that word in this passage, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and in under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an incredible passage of Scripture we've just read. I know I made some mistakes in it. Please forgive me. Okay, so we're here to think for a little bit of time today about why we do what we do. Does anybody ever remember that Muppet show? Do you remember the line that the two old guys would sing? Why do we always come here? 
I guess we'll never know. It seems too much like torture to have to watch the show. Do, 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 do. Does anybody remember that? Right, okay. Does anybody feel sometimes like coming to church is like a bit of torture? Just, just checking, just checking, okay? Good, I'm glad to hear it. Oh, Stuart, you do, okay. We'll try and work on that for next week just so that you're okay. But I want us to just take a little step back this morning to just, to take that breath. That makes me feel better again, even just doing that again. And just to think a little bit this morning about why we do what we do. What is this all about? What is church all about? And I don't know about you, church is obviously a good idea because even the atheists are trying churches. Did you know that? Even atheists have got churches these days. And I've got a little video which I want to show you about the songs that they might sing in atheist churches. So sit back <laughs> and watch the video, okay? I was reading the news several months ago, and it was uh, a news story talking about the existence of atheist megachurches. And what do you do there? Do you sing worship songs in an atheist church? What do you even say? Like, shout to the void all the earth and sing. Power and majesty, praise to nothing. What is it? <laughs> Man, do they have children's church at the atheist mega church? What songs do you sing to kids in an atheist church? Like, no one loves the little children. <laughs> If you want to look at it online, Tim Hawkins, American comedian, just fantastic. But why do we do what we do? And who we are and what we do in this church? You know, this says, this is a glimpse of what our church looks like over the course of any given week, month, or year. What do we do as a church? And sometimes it's easy to forget what we actually do and what goes on in the life of the church. So I thought I'd put up a little slide that talks about what we do in church. If you're OCD, like me, It'll bug you that those circles aren't circles, but try and put it out of your mind, okay? But look at it. Treasure Tots, Treasure Kids, Rainbow Kids, Oxygen, School Chaplaincy, Mission, which is overseas and at home, Small Groups, Friday Fellowship, Flourish, Workplace and Hospital Chaplaincy, Prison Ministry, Answer Project, Whistle Food Bank, Sunday Service and Practical Ministries. All of these things 
going on week by week in the life of this church. So many things that go on unseen, and I just thought I'd, I'd pull one or two down, okay, practical ministries. What does that actually mean? Well, it means looking after the utilities, gas, electricity, the building, the admin, the governance, social media and the web, finance, publicity, and policies and procedures, all these types of things that go on in the life of the church, and nobody sees them. It's a bit of a shame that nobody sees them, but they don't go unappreciated. Let's take a look at another one. Let's take it the Sunday service and look at that. Music, sound, media, hospitality, pastoral, prayer, preaching, and just so that I didn't miss anybody out, I put seven down at the end, okay? Because that includes everybody, so just in case. And all of these things are part of what goes on in the life of this church. Our aim being to be Christ-centered and community-focused, and we'll come on to thinking about that in just a little minute or two. Christ-centered and community-focused. Why do we do the things that we do? Does anybody ever think that church can be a bit strange sometimes? No? Jackie, you don't? Okay. I think it can be strange sometimes. My goodness, when I stand here and look out, it's really strange sometimes. Okay? Now I'm just leaving you say, who's he talking about? Is he talking about me? Could it be that I'm strange? Eh? Could it be that you're strange, Liz? Yes. Everybody's strange, okay? Everybody's strange. We all have our little idiosyncrasies. But I wanted to think about the things, some of the strange things that we do, and think about this thing called the gifts of the Spirit. Because sometimes it can be a bit strange when the Holy Spirit does things, and we don't really know what He's doing. But the Bible says in Isaiah 55, it's up on the screen there, that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours, and His thoughts are higher than ours. So is it any wonder that the God who created the universe, who has this incredible wisdom, and when He starts to do things, we go, eh, I don't understand this. This is a bit strange. What's happening here? It could be a bit unusual. And let's think about some of these things we call gifts of the Spirit. Here's a a list of things coming up on the screen. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's how the Spirit makes Himself known. He uses it to build up the church. Things like a message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing. Notice it's plural. Miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation. Sometimes in this church people speak in tongues, and it might sound a bit strange. Why do we get fixated on those things? Rather than saying, God... I would quite like to see a miracle. There are a few people in this church who I'd like to see a miracle for. We get so fixated in tongues and we go, that's a bit weird. Why does that happen? And yet we've got people who are needing to see another miracle, who are needing to see the supernatural power of God, and I pray that they see it. And that we don't get so weirded out when God does something that's absolutely miraculous and amazing. What else has God put in the church? Gift people that it talks about in Ephesians. We read that a few weeks ago. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of these people given to the church so that the church can be ready to serve. I quite like that idea. I quite like the idea of everybody in the church finding a way to serve, whether it's here or outside in the community. I think everybody should have a way to serve and take part. 
Then another list of gifts, this is a really big long list, gifts of the Father to the church, again loosely uh, to build the church up, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving financially, practically, leadership, showing mercy. There's an inf- just an incredible gift. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, administrators, those who speak in tongues, speaking and serving. And you can see the Scripture references all gifts that God puts into the church in order that this thing called the church might grow and be built up. Where do you fit in to all of that? What's your gift and how do you serve in the life of the church? What has God uniquely shaped you for that you bring in to the life of the church? And it's so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is the that it might be gifts? The purpose of this is that the church might grow that it might be gifted, that we might become mature, that we might come to that complete knowledge of who God is. And I, I get the feeling that I won't actually ever attain that, but I'm on a journey to actually trying to understand this God that I worship and how He interacts with us. Another one of the strange things that we do is that we gather together And so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, Romans 12 and 5. We each belong to each other. We each form part of this body called the church. And the church is described in a number of different ways in the New Testament. Josh, I'm sorry, I meant to ask you if I could use permission to put this picture up. Okay. I meant to speak to you, Josh, but it slipped my mind. Apologies. This is a picture of Josh, who are away at Denaira. Why did I put that picture up? To illustrate that the church is a body? Yes. Why else? Does Josh stay the same size? No. He's taller than me. And when he wrestles with me, he hurts me now. Okay. (laughs) He can inflict pain on me. Okay. For those who don't know, Josh is my son, just in case you're thinking I'm beating up a child. Um... The church is a body, and the church, if it's a body, is supposed to grow. This church should be growing numerically, spiritually, should be growing deeper in our knowledge and our understanding of who God is, and in our function in our community, so that we can be an influence in the community. The other thing is the church is a bride. Helen, who was here a couple of weeks ago with her husband, Kieran, who was speaking, I did their wedding photographs. That's not an advert, by the way, okay? (laughs) It's not a sales pitch. I don't have time to do wedding photographs these days. Love it, though I do. And, uh, you know, you just get a picture of the bride who's getting ready for our groom. And uh, the church is likened to a bride. We're supposed to be getting ready to be getting ourselves made up and pure and clean and holy, ready for our groom, who is Jesus. Sorry, guys, that sounds a bit weird, okay, us being a bride. So let's just kind of name that one at the moment, okay? But it's just symbolism, okay? So don't get all weirded by it. But we're to be prepared. We're to be a bride ready for our groom. Thirdly, the church is a building, not this building. This is the building that we're sitting in here. But I have said time and time again that this is not the church. The church is you and I, the church is us. And the Bible talks about us being like living stones. 
We each have life. We each have a part to play in making up this incredible building called the church. Each of us needs to find our place in the church. Each of us needs to find our place to serve. Also, the church is likened to a city on a hill. That's Socky Hall Street, walking east, okay? Just in case you're wondering where it was, that I recognize that place. I've been there before. I recognize that 20-style building. So it's Socky Hall Street. I don't know if you've ever looked at a map. Uh, so you know these satellite views of the earth? Have you ever looked at a satellite view of Glasgow at night? Have you ever looked at one? Am I the only person who does these sad things? Where's Trevor? <laughs> Trevor's my map guy. Some of us like maps and Google images and stuff. Look at them. Look at the a satellite image of the world at night, and you just see all these places which are lit up. This analogy probably means more to united, and the church is likened to a city. This analogy probably means more to us now than even it did when Jesus said these things. When the church is visible, it draws people. It draws people in. We're not trying to be visible for ourselves, by the way. We're trying to be the people who make Jesus visible through us, okay? It's not about us in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. It's not about us, but it's about us being those vessels which Jesus can move through. Lastly, uh, we're likened to a flock. So, a flock of sheep. I didn't take that picture. Oh, I missed out family. Sorry, I missed out family. We are a family. That's why that happened. I was like, why did that do that? Because we are a family. Does it feel like a family to you? Can I just say, if inside your head you're going, no, it doesn't really, you're doing this, but inside you're saying no, then that's an issue. We need to chat about that because you should feel part of the family of God here. If this is where your church is, if this is where you come, you should feel part of this. And part of it is finding your way into it and, and serving and all that kind of stuff. But if inside your head you're saying, no, I don't really feel part of it, then that's an issue. Come and chat to us about it because we want people to feel that they're part of the family, interconnected. We're all linked to, together. Does, does anybody ever fight in their families? <laughs> no? You do, Abigail. I've witnessed it firsthand. I agree. <laughs> Fighting with your brothers and sisters. In our families, sometimes we fight, and I'm not giving away any secrets here, because we're all in the same boat. Sometimes in our families, we fall out with each other, because we're different people, and sometimes there's little fault lines where we rub up against each other, and there's friction, and we fall out. Not so in the church. We never fall out with each other, do we? Never fall out in church. Because we all come in with our halos on, polished up, and we all come in very pious. We're in church today, we're to be holy, holy, holy. Feel a song coming on. But that's not the reality, is it? The reality is that in church, we sometimes fall out with each other, which is why we need to remember that verse in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Sometimes the other person's right. Sometimes it is your fault. I have to say that all the time. I'm like, why do I have to keep saying sorry to people? Because it's always my fault. 
or so it feels. I'm only kidding. So we are a family. We're interconnected. We have squabbles, but we should be able to sort those squabbles out. We should be able to model something to our community that our community is not seeing, despite all our differences and the, the way that we think about things. I'm going to skip that last one about being a flock. And we come together on a Sunday, we come together to worship. What does it say? Worship Him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. We come to worship a God who is everything and everywhere and knows everything. You know, one of the objections to Christianity is that it's an old idea, an old notion, and that the more science knows, the less gaps are left and all of the things that people used to call God get squeezed out. Does that make sense? It's called the God of the gaps theory. So, uh, when, uh, when a, what's that word for it? A volcano erupts. It's like, oh, that's the gods are angry and blah, blah, blah. And people used to think that. But now we know how volcanoes work because of science. Therefore, it's not God, blah, 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 blah. But God and but the reality is that things which people called God in the past were never actually ever God either. Thousands and thousands of years ago, people worshipped idols who at that point in time and now still weren't God. Thousands of years ago, it's not changed. People worship idols today. We just call them different things like Facebook, okay? An idol is anything that you put before God, okay? And have you ever seen people? Like, have, you, have you ever walked down the street and you see people and you're, you're having to avoid people that are on a collision course with you because they're always on something? Technology, idol, potentially. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, idol, potentially. All these things get in the way of God. And we come... We come, though, to worship God. We come to, in our songs, in our music, to really do something to lift up the name of Jesus. It's more than just singing. It's more than just songs. I think the first half hour of our services when we gather are so, so important because these are the uh, moments where we put God in. So it's really, really important. It's where we declare how great God is. So it's really, really important but we all worship in different ways. The church, you know, if we have problems, okay, think about the church on a grander scale. You've got this denomination, that denomination, blah, 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 and we all worship in different ways. Who's right? Rhetorical question. You're okay not to answer that one, okay? Well, let's have a little think about the way sometimes that we worship in this church. I've got another video for you to watch, if that's okay. Just take a deep breath. Just relax, okay? It's not going to be weird. Here we go. You need to use your imagination for that, but... Some of you are drying up, aren't they? I wonder if you can get some momentum. Totally cool. 
But hey, if you're not used to going to Manorism Church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand raises. I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, good night. Okay, so get warmed up, get your heart rate in. <laughs> Let's start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very slow. Look at the big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. Fish was this big. If you're a liar, you know out there, that's fine. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. Oh. Got goalposts. Everybody knows goalposts. Don't like heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn. I've got goalposts. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa. <laughs> strange things we do, eh? I mean, if you come into church for the first time, you must go, what are these guys all about? Neely's, do you still remember that day when you came into church at first? And uh, everybody's doing all these, all of those, I've done them all, you know, goalposts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> will it stop me from raising my hands in worship? That won't, but playing the guitar will, okay, because you need two hands for that. Uh, so if anybody wants to come and play my guitar, and uh, they can allow me to sit in the front row, that'd be great. But we do all these types of things, and it, it can appear strange to people, but why do we do this? Why do we do the things that we do? We do them because we've met this person called Jesus. We do them because something drops into our understanding that there is somebody who has given his life for us, who has made this connection with God possible. And we want to be the type of people who are connected to Jesus, who have that life connection every day that informs who we are, and what we do. Sometimes some people have called this church the happy clappy church, okay? Other people who shall remain nameless, but they're part of this community, and they go to other churches in this community, they've called us the happy clappies. Oh, you go to the happy clappy church? And I'm like, no, I'm the pastor of the happy clappy church. <laughs> but our desire, even if we worship differently, is to worship Jesus and to make Him the center. You know, I used that phrase earlier, Christ-centered and community-focused. That's really what we want to be about. That's our mission, is to be Christ-centered and community-focused. Four words, okay? Can anybody see a fifth word in there? Can anybody see it? There's a fifth word in there. Well-spotted, Steve. Community is what we have in common. It's what joins us together. 
And the word community comes from that kind of root, but it has in it this word unity. And I think unity in the church is so important. You know, you might come into church and you might not be the, the goalposts person. That's okay. Goalposts, heartburn, back to goalposts, double heartburn, okay? You might not be that person. Liz, you are, obviously, because you're laughing. We don't all need to be the same. We don't all need to express worship in the same way. It's okay, because we're all at different places. We're all got different personalities. And by the way, it struck me this week, I don't know why it struck me this week, that after four and a half years of Andrew being away, or is it four, I can't remember, I've been preaching on a Sunday almost like all the time. It feels like every day I'm preaching sometimes. No, I'm only kidding. the, The only thing that people remember from my preaching is that I don't like to hug people. That's the only thing that people talk about. And I thought, I need to set the record straight today. It's not actually true. I was just making, and I was trying to be on their side for a little while, okay? I don't really mind hugs, but don't all rush at once at the end of the service, okay? No, you're not. But in the middle of all this is this word unity. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be a people who connect with each other, who are on this journey of becoming like Jesus. That's our ultimate aim, is to become like Jesus. I don't know about you, I've got a long way to go before I'm like Jesus. How do we we approach this? What's important when we think about being Christ-centered and community-focused? I think there are four things. The first one is reaching people with the gospel. If we are a Christ-centered, community-focused people, then we will have a heart to reach people with the gospel. The second thing is to win people for Jesus. Because if the good news is really good news, and if there's really an eternal destiny that we all face, whether it's in God's presence with God or outside of God's presence away from God, I know which I would prefer, then we need to win people for Jesus. We need to maybe grasp something of the urgency that's on God's heart for souls. We need to grow people into disciples. There's no point in coming along, and you saw that picture of Josh earlier on. I could have put an even younger one on when he was only uh, in his, like, two or something like that, we don't stay that way. We don't stay as infants. We grow up, and when we stop growing that way, we start growing that way. We grow up. It's the natural process, and it should be the exact same in the church. We should be growing up into maturity, into being Christ-like. And lastly, serving people in Jesus' name, because Mature Christians serve. Mature Christians serve in the life of the church. They serve in the community. They serve our neighbors. They serve the people who need to hear this incredible message. And there are four words in there. I've just simplified it so that we remember the importance of reaching, winning, growing, and serving. That's what we're about. That's what we're trying to do. Reach people for the Uh, with the gospel, win people for Jesus, grow people into disciples, and serve people in Jesus' name. Why do we do all this, though? We do all this because of this person called Jesus. And it's said in the passage that we read that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I don't know about your attitude. I don't know what you've come in with today, what you've come from today. 
Have you come with the right attitude to worship God? Have you come with the right attitude towards other people in the family? The family who never falls out? The family who never fights? That's a joke. You're allowed to laugh, okay? We, but it's all dependent on our attitude. Listen to what the Bible goes on to say about Jesus and his attitude, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That's incredible. I think for a lot of us, we're trying to grasp onto things. Maybe we're trying to grasp onto God and trying to get a hold of something. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but church is not about grasping things for ourselves. That's not what church is about. Church is not about grasping. Church is about giving, giving, giving to each other. There are times where we need to receive. There are times where we need to have somebody come alongside us and say, hang on a wee second. Let me just take that burden off your shoulders for a while because you're really struggling to carry that. So let me carry it with you. Getting alongside somebody, praying with somebody, cooking a meal for somebody, showing that we love somebody practically. Church is about giving. It says about Jesus that he made himself nothing and taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If we're to become mature and become like Jesus, then we will become servants because that is what he did. That is why he came. He came to serve all of mankind. Oh, Elsie's reading Revelation. <laughs> We're in Philippians, Elsie. <laughs> switch it off for me, switch it off. I don't know, switch it off. <laughs> Sorry, Elsie. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, we'll just wait. <laughs> Do you want to come up and give this, the message? Of nothing, taking the form of a... I'm only kidding. Made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, okay? Think about Jesus. I don't know. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I remember going to watch the Passion film. Uh, Andrew got a spare ticket. He said, do you want to come along and see it? I was like, aye, that sounds like a good plan. Went to this cinema in Glasgow. We sat, a bunch of invited people in this room, big screen, watched the Passion. And I'm not joking. I watched the Passion of Christ and the tears were rolling down my face. And at the end of watching that film, the whole place was silent. The credits had finished running. Everybody just sat there, stunned, absolutely stunned, because it just hurt you in the face what Jesus had actually done for us. And there was something about the graphic nature of that film that brought it home afresh. Here he is, this man who became a servant, who became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. He became obedient. He paid the ultimate price, death on a cross. And it's on that cross that he said, it is finished. And he breathed his last and he died. Why? For our sin. Why? Because sin had broken humanity's relationship with God. Forever broken, no solution. Jesus became 
the solution for our sins. Jesus became the one who took upon Himself our sin, the sins of the world. He became sin for us in order that He might be able to say, it's finished, it's accomplished. Your salvation and my salvation has been accomplished. Does that excite anybody in here today? Your salvation and my salvation has been accomplished. Jesus said it's finished. He's done it. He's finished the work. And then it goes on to say, therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Do you know, sometimes we want the stuff that comes after the therefore. We want all the blessing, that position. We want whatever it is. We want the solution. We want all the stuff that's after the therefore, but we need to remember what was on the other side of therefore for Jesus, the things that we've just read about. He suffered, he bled, he died, therefore. And do you know something? There's a cost to being a Christian. There's a cost. There's a cost to being a disciple. There's a cost. For some people, it costs them their life. Even today, for being a Christian, for being that person who says, I'm not going to bow down to that idol. Think about the three Hebrew youths who are in front of the king, and they say, our God can save us, but even if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your idol, even if He doesn't, because our God is far bigger and has a bigger plan. Therefore, God exalted Him to the highest place. He gave Him the name that is above above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue. In a day where every tongue. There's coming a day where every knee will bow before Jesus. My knee will bow because in the here and now, I have bowed before Jesus and made him my king. He's my savior. He's my friend. But there's coming a day where some people who have never bowed the knee to Jesus in this life will have to bow the knee to Jesus. And it'll not be out of surrender. It'll be because they have to. Because Jesus will show himself in a different light in that day. This is why we need to get the urgency that there are people who don't know Jesus yet. And there's coming a day where they will meet Jesus. And some people will find themselves in a lost eternity because they don't know Jesus. We often think about ourselves as being a body and inside we've got our mind. Some people reduce it to just flesh and blood, brain, matter like a computer, pull the plug, off it goes. That's not how it works. The Bible tells us that we are a spirit. We're a spirit encapsulated in this body, body, soul, and spirit, three parts. There's part of us which lives on after the body has died. That's the part that will find itself before God one day. And my prayer today is that we all come to that place where we've bowed the knee before Him and that we put him first in all that we do. Why do we do what we do? 
We do what we do because Jesus gave everything for us, and we want to give our all back to Him. We do what we do because we want to make God famous. We do what we do because God is worthy. We do what we do because God told us to love each other, to love our neighbor, and to love Him. We do what we do because God has given the ability to us to actually do it, because in our own strength, we would go off and do something else. In the flesh, we would go off and do something else. God has given us the ability to do the things that He asks us to do. Maybe you're sitting here today and thinking, I can't do that. Whatever it is that God has asked you to do, you may be saying, I can't do that. If God's asked you to do something, then innate in the very fact that He has asked you to do it is the grace to achieve it. We don't need to rely on our own strength. We don't need to rely on our own understanding. Thank you for that. We rely on Him 100%. I wonder if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. Uh, Maybe the musicians could come back up. Let's just take a minute to be still. Let's breathe in and breathe out. Let's just be still before Him today. Father, we thank you that we come before the God of the whole universe today. Father, we thank you that we know you as our Lord and Savior. Father, we might not be perfect, we might not get it all right, but Father, we're here today, and Father, our desire is to really know and understand who you are. Father, our desire is to be like Jesus, this person that we read about in the text But Father, more than that, we experience in our lives as we develop that relationship with you. And so, Father, we pray, help us today. Help us today, Father, to understand that in salvation there is joy. That just comes to me as I'm praying just now, thinking about David who says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And maybe some of us can they need to have the joy of God's salvation restored in our lives because the enemy is always trying to steal the devil is always trying to rob the devil is always trying to take away from us to kill our faith that's his purpose but Jesus has come that we might have life in all its fullness And Father, we pray that you would begin to restore joy this morning. Father, that you'd begin to restore joy in the hearts of those who have had that joy robbed and taken away. Father, it's a joy based in our salvation, a joy based in our knowledge of who you are, and a joy that knows no limits. And really, that's the crux of what I want to say this morning. I think actually, as I think about it, Why do we do what we do? Because God lives within us. And if God lives within us, it's like a spring that produces joy, that produces faith, that produces love, that produces hope.
And so, Father, we pray that that spring that is within us would overflow. Father, that it would flow out of who we are this morning into the surrounding community. Father, into our neighbours, into the ministries which you've called us to work in. Do you know, I really feel that we just need to take a wee minute longer just to respond to this. If, if you're in that position and you feel that the enemy has been trying to rob you of your joy, just pop your hand up. I want to pray for you specifically. Anybody else? Anybody else? Put your hand back down. Father, for everyone who has responded to that today, where the enemy has been seeking to steal their joy, Father, we pray that your Spirit would come upon them, even now, and Father, that you would release into them that which they need for this moment in time. And Father, we know that we can trust you for our tomorrow. Lord, your Word says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Just take care of today. And Father, we pray for the strength for today for each person who's responded. And Father, we pray that that joy would be restored in their hearts. Lord, may it be like a stream which comes from deep within them and overflows and affects them, affects their families, and affects all who are around them. So, Father, we pray for those who have responded today, Lord, that you would come in to their whole experience. And, Father, may they be people who soar on wings like eagles. If there's anybody in here today who has never invited Jesus into their heart, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that as well. It's just a simple decision in one sense, but it takes a lot to make that decision, and it's hard to come to it. But if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you want to do that today? You want to know this joy? You want to know this Savior? Savior? Then I just invite you to pop your hand up, put it back down, and we'll pray for you as well. Is there anybody today that has never made that decision and you want to make that decision today. If you've never made that decision, today might be your only chance to do that. Which is why I'm holding off for a few seconds more because this might be your day. This might be your opportunity. The Bible says that now is the day of salvation. None of us are guaranteed this afternoon even Okay, let's move on. Father, we just thank you for that salvation that you have given us. We thank you for this eternal hope and security that you've given us. Father, we thank you that it's not something that we wait for in eternity, but Father, you're doing that right now in our lives. And Father, we thank you that we can experience your presence in our hearts even today. And Father, we pray that as we, uh, as we wrap things up today for church uh, uh, gathering, Lord, we know that church will separate and Lord, as we go our separate ways, we pray that we would take you with us, that we would take that strength of the Spirit with us, that you would be in us, fill us, and equip us, and that you'll just move through us in a powerful way. Lord, we pray for our families, Lord, those in our families who don't know you yet. Father, we just picture some faces in our minds just now of people in our families who don't know you. And Lord, we pray, give us the words to share with them, things to say that might help them to see who Jesus is. 
Father, those who are our friends who don't know you yet, and we just take a minute just to picture some of our friends in our faces. And Lord, we pray that you would just draw them to yourself. Father, that they might know that you're God and that they might just make that decision to follow you and invite you into their lives. Experience that freedom that comes through knowing you. Father, we commit these things to you. And Lord, as we continue to worship, as we continue to praise you through singing, through giving of our tithes and offerings, Lord, we pray that it would all be acceptable to you and that you would receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.